Welcome to Downton. Hello there. Emma speaking. Welcome to Shall We Go Through, the Downton Abbey fan podcast. What? 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shall We Go Through, a Downton Abbey fan podcast. I am really excited to be here today with you to talk about the second episode of the Downton Abbey series. This episode, I called it the one with Andromeda and the sea monster. And well, in this episode, it's actually the first time we see the opening credits. I really, really love these titles. Like, and there's so many shows that do not have titles anymore. And I'm kind of sad about it. Like, I like it. And I love the aesthetic of it. Because it is servant-centered. Uh, let me explain. Like, you see actually some places that are in the servants' quarters. And, you know, like, you can see someone cleaning, like, a chandelier. Uh, someone setting the table. So even if it's, like, images from upstairs, it is still uh, centered um, on the servants like someone uh, opening the shutters like it's it's really I love it it's it's very simple but I love how it's made and we you have the name of all the actors so you have a lot of names because there are a lot of people in this cast but the names appear in alphabetical order and I love that because it puts them all you know they're all equal they're at the same level because usually in shows first you have maybe the main actors or main characters and at the end you have like the guests like obviously then you have like Maggie Smith at the end but there it is yeah it's alphabetical order so like everybody is at uh, the same level and I love it and actually we talked about it with my friends and um so the first image we see is actually the dog's butt and my friend told me like you know that behind gives me so much emotions because it is the first image you see when you watch an episode of Downton Abbey, except the first one. I said, this is so true. But actually, to be honest, this image I always associated with Hugh Bonneville because his name just appears on this image. Like the moment you see the dog's butt, you see his name. So actually, I associate the two. But, you know, I think it's really good because it's his character that has the dog but it made me think about um something that Hugh said a couple of years ago in the Graham Norton show he said when your name comes out of a dog's ass you know you're in for a bad ride and I don't know why it makes me laugh so yeah that was it that was it about the title but I really really love them and I never skip it never skip the opening credits but then let's start with our intrigue this episode where well, all intrigues in the plural. We have the arrival of Matthew and Isabel, so our new heir. They are arriving to the village. And they're people from uh, the middle class, well, upper middle class. And um, when you consider she kind of wants to blend, to blend in, you know, and he doesn't want to make an effort at all. You know, like she really wants, um, you know, because she says uh, to him, you know, what they think is that we would not know how to behave. And I don't want to, you know, give him like the satisfaction that yes, we don't know how to behave. And she actually even stopping him to be rude in front of the servants. Like he doesn't mean to be mean, but he's like, he's kind of clumsy. And it's funny because he's really like, they will not change me. I am what I am. I am a middle-class man, you know, I'm not an aristocrat and stuff. And his attitude in this episode 
kind of makes me think about the idea of another character that we will see in the future. Bananas, I think you know who、um, I'm talking about, but yeah. Oh, and in this scene, we are introduced to Mosley. I love Mosley, and actually, the interior of Crowley House and the exterior are shot at two different locations. So yeah, that was just me saying that to you. Just a fun fact. So then we have our first dinner with the family, you know, with Matthew and Isabel, the famous "Welcome to Downton," and um, well, <laughs> he puts. His foot in his mouth, like he tries to be funny or sarcastic, but he just, yeah, doesn't really work. And his mother tries to save him. You know, she she's really like, oh yes, thank you. Like, she she try she's trying, and she's really like kind of happy to be here. Like she's really like, oh, like thank you. You know, you've been so kind. And then, well, you have the introduction to Violet, and you know, you know what should we call each other? Well, we can start with Mrs. Crawley and Lady Grantham. How nice! <laughs> and then Cora is actually trying to save Isabel. You know, like, let's go to the drawing room to make the proper introduction. <laughs> oh, like, I kind of like it, and I like this scene because I already said how the cast is amazing. But in the scene where they like a lot, they almost all the cast are together. They all stay in character. Like you just, if you just try to. Put your attention on、uh, one character in、uh, particular. You just realize they all stays into it. Like every scene, like that when they all together. I, I think it's amazing. During dinner, Mary just can't stop making snarky comments. Ah,、uh, Matthew, you know, during dinner, like oh, cousin Matthew doesn't ride, and really, she's not really nice. And we have our mo- one of the most. Famous line of the show, like one of the most iconic lines. What, what is the weekend? Because obviously Matthew is like, well, I'm working. I have a job, ah,、uh, so I can't take out the estate like the whole week. But I can take the weekends off, you know. And so it's like, what is he talking about? So because obviously, if you do not work, you do not know what the weekend is. So yeah, that is um, you know, interesting meeting, I would say. But Isabel is like really, like、uh, Thomas said, she's a match to the old lady. You know, finally someone that can be like challenge her. But you realize like this whole upper middle class situation. Like some of them just don't care. Like I don't know, like Robert since he's not snob, he's not like oh they're upper middle class. I don't want them at my house. Cora the same. But then you have Mary and Violet. That's another story. But some of the servants are actually more snob than the upstairs. Of course, I am talking about O'Brien and Thomas. Like Thomas during dinner, literally、uh, tells Matthew, "Like I'm going to like、uh, give you the plate, and you go." I mean, <laughs>、uh, okay, you want what an instruction guide? I don't know. I think it's really rude. And O'Brien, I mean, when she she is talking about them, she's like, "Oh, she's not even a real lady. She doesn't have a lady's maid." Come down a bit, like I mean, please. And you have this entire door. <laughs> you know, she's really like talking、um, bad. She's saying bad things about Matthew. And at that moment, Cora just arrives downstairs, and she puts a Brian in a place, and this is so satisfying. Oh God, I love this scene. And 
I mean, O'Brien, I mean, she goes for it. Like, but you don't even like him yourself. You told me, like, oh my God, like, shut up, you know? But to be, like, to be honest, actually, <laughs> at that time, it was considered inappropriate uh, to barge in the servants' quarters unannounced because it's their place. And usually they can say what, even Thomas, like, we can say whatever we want down here. And so, you know, she's not supposed to come down here unannounced. But again, she's American, so, you know, protocol, what is that? I don't know it. But it's just so satisfying, this scene. And even, like, Mrs. Hughes, she's like, I don't care what the parliament says. You are not speaking, like, badly of my employers. Well, let's talk about Mosley again. Uh, poor Mosley, because Matthew, again, is like, oh, I don't want to be changed. No, no, no. So... Really, the way he's treating Mosley, it's really sad. And you feel so bad with Mosley because he just wanted to do his job. And, oh my God, Matthew tells him, you know, that usually what Mosley, being a valet, is supposed to dress him. Um, He's like, well, it's my job to dress you, you know. And Matthew's like, well, it seems a silly occupation for a grown man. The guy just insulted him. Like, I mean, poor Mosley. And, I mean, through the whole episode, I mean, you know, when... Uh, Bates is just coming in, say, how are you doing? It's like, well, I don't do anything because he does everything himself. So you think really bad for, for him. And again, Matthew, he doesn't want to be mean, but he's really clumsy and, you know, he doesn't want to be changed and stuff. And Kevin Doyle, who plays Mosley, is just fantastic. I just love him. He has something kind of melancholic in the way he plays him. I just love him. I love Mosley. And actually, they talked about it in the official podcast too, I think. But he was not supposed to be like, to be uh, an important character. But it's because, uh, I think it was because where well, the actor was so good and the people just loved him. They just decided to keep him. And thank God, because I love Mosley. And um, again, to talk about Matthew and his arrival to the family, um, there is two scenes that I really love. The first one is when Robert is uh, showing him the estate. Really beautiful scene, beautiful shot. And um, Robert just asking me, like he's telling him, you do not love the place yet. And actually Matthew doesn't know what to say because he doesn't want to be rude or stuff. And Robert um, just tells him, no, you do not love it. You see a million bricks that may crumble, a thousand gutters and pipes that may block and leak, and stone that will crack in the frost. But you don't. I see my life's work. I love, I mean, this conversation, I mean, I love it. It's really poetic. Like, it's really beautiful what Robert says. I mean, again, really poetic. I'm not sure Violet would be pleased to have a poet in the family. But, yeah, I really like it. And oh, they talk about, well, oh my God, this is actually, this is me every time they talk about Cora. God, I'm sorry. But, um, you know, when Matthew just asked him, like, what, was it ever in danger? I said, yes. I mean, it was several times and my, my father thought, you know, he, he, he would have lost the estate, you know, in the 1880s. And then I can say, what saved it? He just tells him, Cora. Like, it's not Cora's money or anything. It's Cora. Oh, I just saved it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> sorry. Again, love them so much. 
Yeah, and then the other conversation uh, that I really like is when they talk about Mosley. When Matthew tells Robert, like, would you find me kind of uh, cruel if I just dismiss him? And Robert's like, why? What did, did he do, you know? And it's like, what? nothing, just, I, you know, it's so different from our way of life that we had. And Robert, I love him a lot in the same way, says, well, it's not really nice for him, you know, it's it's his livelihood and he's done nothing wrong like it's not it's not fair you know like you want to have a job your mother like wants to do something too why can't he do his job we all have different parts to play matthew and we must all be allowed to play them you know and i really like this conversation with like oh you, we dismiss what uh, the kitchen maids the valet the footman were and yeah i think it was really important and again it's a really clever conversation and a bit poetic too i mean robert what happened to you yeah but i really like it and um it, it changed actually uh matthew because then it changed with mosley and this scene is really really good when mosley is literally waiting and he's like well don't you have you know another like cufflinks for me can you help me like put them on can you help me uh put my jacket on so i really like it because he realized that he can still uh, be him but he has to adapt to this way of life. And I like it. And then we have the part that I called Matthew versus Mary. Because their first meeting is actually in the first scene where actually Matthew and Isabel arrive. And well, I just say it didn't happen really well. Um, you know, he's like really angry. He's like, oh, they're going to push their daughters at me. And Mar Mary just comes in and I, I really love this. Plus, She's in her riding outfit, and I adore this outfit. The riding outfit for men or women, I just, ooh, everyone looks so good in it, and especially her. She's just magnificent. Um, I love it because she's here and just realized, oh my God, maybe she just heard me. And of course, she's, she heard him because she said, no, I wouldn't want to push in. <laughs> Oh God, I mean, this first meeting is just so electric. And so, of course, he wants to apologize. Like, I'm apologizing. No, it was a joke. It's like, oh, I agree with you. The whole thing is a complete joke. And she's so magnificent and graceful in that horse. I mean, on that horse, she just love it. Yeah, and we can say that all the, the snarky comments that she, that she said about him being a middle class, it, it's all for him, you know, because she can make comments about middle class, but it's never for Isabel just for him she's angry at him and i don't really understand it because it's not his fault that he's the heir like he doesn't want to be and so she's angry at him when she's supposed to be angry at the law or maybe even her father but why angry at him he he did nothing wrong it's not his fault oh and then we have the dinner i mean the dinner where she tells the story of Andromeda. And what I like is that everybody knows where she's going with it. You know, there's not, they're not stupid. And some are actually quite shocked. Like even Robert's like, oh my God, what is she talking about? But Matthew plays along with her. And that's what I like. There's so many, so much electricity between the two of them, which makes me think that they are actually well matched. And also for the story of Andromeda, her father, King Cepheus, sacrifices um sacrificed his eldest daughter to a sea monster 
to appease the gods, but she was rescued by Perseus, the son of a god. So in this story, Robert is King Cepheus, Mary is the daughter, and Matthew, apparently, is the sea monster. And we actually have Perseus, but we talk about that later. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's uh, more suiting, you know, like it's better to be rescued by the son of a god. And Matthew is like, well, it depends. I have to know more about the princess and the sea monster in question. And when he said that, actually, I looked at that scene several times to make sure I wasn't imagining it. But we had then a shot on Violet, but just in front of her, you have Robert, he's um, blurry, but you can see a smile on his face. Like, oh, like Matthew goes up against Mary. Like, he's like, that's, that's nice. You know, she's all about Matthew being a sea monster, but you know, sometimes monsters are actually princes, you know? It's not like Dan Stevenson used to playing beasts that are actually prince, you know? They just need to be kissed. But yeah, and again, this scene, the acting is so on point. The awe in characters when she's telling her story. Like at the moment, you can see Sybil um, declining a, a plate you're like, oh my god, no, no, don't distract me. I'm listening. This is interesting. <laughs> I love it. Like she, they're like, whoa, what is happening? And Violet's like, oh my god, oh my god. Mary, we need our smelling salts in a minute. So Isabel uh, was matched to Violet, while Matthew is definitely a match to Mary. And so now I just want to have my music of the day because, well, it's actually this scene where Mary in this episode that inspired me this music. The music is The Bitch is Back by Elton John. And to be honest, this music literally screams Mary to me. You know, I really like it. So you're like, the bitch is back. Like, I'm a bitch. I'm better than you. And she literally thinks that she's better than him. So yeah, we like it. So after having Mary versus Matthew, we still have a Mary situation to talk about. Because Robert doesn't want to challenge entail. He said that already to the Duke last episode. So, I mean, you know, what about Mary? And we have Robert invited talking about a Matthew and the whole thing uh, when they're uh, outside. And you have this, I love, really love this phrase from uh, Violet. I have plenty of friends I don't like. Yeah, and they talk about it. And she's, she's saying to um, Robert, Why do you always have to pretend to be nicer than the rest of us? Perhaps I am. And to be honest, he is. He's really a nice man. I mean, we have to give him that. But actually, Violet's like, well... You know, maybe Mary just need to marry Matthew. She was supposed to marry Patrick. So, I mean, everything will be settled, you know, because she would marry the heir. And at this moment, Thomas uh, hears the conversation. And um, so obviously all the servants know before Mary and Matthew that everyone that Violet thinks it would be great for them to get married. Because we have the talk between Gwen and Anna uh, when they talk about it. So that's kind of funny because, yeah, like we said before, the servants actually know way more about their life upstairs. Oh, and then we have a scene 
I adore this scene between Cora and Mary because it is the first time that Cora shouts at her, but I even believe that it is the only time that she ever shouts at her because she's never angry at, at Mary, not in her face. Um, and she, she, I mean, she should be, but that's for the future. And it is also the first time that Mary insults her American blood. You're American, you don't understand these things. Uh, please, bitch, don't be rude. I mean, she's the one that just came to town on to save it. She gave all her money and it's not even her anymore. Like, uh, please, a bit of respect to your own mother. And just to tell you, Mary, you're half American, you know, technically. Um, so yeah, that's something that always annoys me with Mary. Like she, sometimes I feel like she doesn't even have respect for her own mother. And it's Cora. Like, ooh, it annoys me. And just fun fact, the room, uh, Mary's room, actually, it's in the studio. And it's actually just one room that was built in the studio because the service court quarters was were too huge. And I think there were not enough room or budget to... Uh, create more rooms so there's actually one room for the bedrooms and they um, decorate it according to the characters because it was too difficult to shot it at high clear uh, because first it is uh, like original like furniture and stuff and two for the camera it was too complicated to move it so yeah fun fact again but then after that dinner you know with the andromeda and the sea monster violet just realizes that maybe uh, Mary Matthew won't get married, you know, and I kind of like it because she apologizes. Uh, she apologizes to Matthew for Mary's behavior, and I like that she doesn't really like Isabel, but she has nothing against Matthew, and Mary is the opposite. So I think it's quite funny. She might have a new solution to the air issue, you know, like she says to Matthew, "Would it bother you if everything?" would turn out to be Mary's in the end, like if we can challenge it and tell it's like, no, not really. You know, so she still wants to challenge the entail. And she thinks that maybe if he it doesn't not bother him, maybe he can be an ally in all this. And again, Carson always on Mary's side, you know, that they talk about the whole situation with Mrs. Hughes. And she's like, so she doesn't really like Matthew. It's like, why does she have to like him? And I'm like where well, she doesn't have to be rude to him, you know? And, and then why does she have to like him when she had, when everything she was supposed to have has gone to him? And Missy's like, well, it's the law, you know? And Carson, it's a wicked law. Again, I just, <laughs> I think it's really funny because, yeah, Carson, when it's Mary, I don't care about the law. I'm just, I just care for Mary. And we're talking about Perseus earlier, you know, the son of a god. Well, I love this shot. It's so beautifully made. We have the three girls talking and coming down the stairs. And this shot is magnificent, like so smooth. And I actually have the three girls in order, Mary first and Edith and Sybil. And well, actually in this, in this scene, Mary just says, I don't want to get married to Matthew because... <laughs> She realized that she it was the ID um, because it's Cora who tells her, you know, like, there is a solution. You can marry Matthew. It's like, <laughs> he can't barely hold his fork like a gentleman. I'm like, okay, please, please not exaggerate. And you know, have you talked to Granny about it? You know, what did she say? Did she laugh? And I love because Cora's satisfaction to say, 
Why would she? It was her idea. I mean, yay. Take that in your face, Mary. But she doesn't want to get married to Matthew. And Idis is like, I don't dislike him. And she's like, well, you know what? You can take him. I don't give a damn. Um, because I have bigger fish to fry. Again, fish, like in the previous episode. You know, Idis telling Mary he slipped the hook. And her telling um, Edith, at least I'm fishing with no bait. And so she has bigger fish to fry. Uh, because she's, she's been corresponding with Evelyn Napier. Uh, son and heir of a Viscount. So apparently he would be Perseus in our story. So yeah, well, we'll see more about him really soon. Another kind of intrigue that we have in this episode is the hospital. And actually the hospital with Violet, Isabel and Dr. Clarkson. The hospital is basically a topic of conversation in almost every episode. So yeah, because Isabel wants to do something, you know, if she has to live in this village it's Cora who tells her why well, you may want to take an interest in the hospital so she actually goes there and she meets uh, Dr. Clarkson and Dr. Clarkson is like he likes to be king of his kingdom like the, the hospital is his kingdom and he's like to be like uh, in charge of it and there is a patient Mr. Drake I always see him again and he's very ill he's dying and actually, Isabel has an idea of a procedure, but it's quite a new procedure, but she knows it because she saw her husband do it. So she, she's like, I can help you, you know? And Clarkson's like, yeah, but no, it's new. And she's like, yeah, but the guy is literally dying. Why don't you try it? You know, the worst thing that could happen is he, he will actually die. So, so yes, that's the beginning of a war uh, between Violet, Isabel, and Clarkson being in the middle, which is... Literally, every time they talk about the hospital, this is Violet on one side, Isabel on the other, and you have Clarkson in the middle. Yeah, and again, actually, the interior of the hospital and the exterior are shot at two different locations. Again, little fun fact. And so, well, Isabel is really convinced about the whole um, procedure. Well, then we have a scene that I really like, where Cora is having to add Violet's. And this scene is absolutely amazing uh, because she's literally making tea. Like, I don't know what she's doing. I have no idea what she's doing. But, I mean, it is fascinating. And it's actually quite difficult because just imagine, I don't know how many times they shot that, but every time, every take, she had to do it all over again, like in the same way. But obviously she needed it. It's Maggie Smith. And actually, before going, going further into the story, uh, well, I just thought I would make it um, a French word of the day, uh, tea, because, I mean, they drink tea in every episode. So in French, tea is thé, uh, spelling T-H-E with an accent on it that I don't know which one, but there's an accent on it. Um, so yeah, so if you want a cup of tea, you say in tasse de thé, cup, it's tasse, T-A-S-S-E, and it's feminine in French, tasse, or cup. I mean, it's quite easy, so let's give you coffee too, uh, because it's easy. Co uh, coffee in French, it's café, like the place, you know, like the café, but it's also the beverage. Uh, it's C-A-F-E, with an accent on it, again. So yeah, if you want a cup of tea, you say 
une tasse de thé. And if you want a cup of coffee, you say, une tasse de café. So, yeah, you can actually order a drink uh, when you go to France. So that was it for French words of the day. Let's go back to Cora at Violet for tea. So, yeah, Violet making tea. Uh, in this scene, actually, a funny story. Once I was uh, reading stuff about Downton Abbey. Well, I do that approximately every day. but And someone was talking about the cats in Downton Abbey. And I was kind of confused because I remembered one cat in the kitchen. But someone was talking about a cat at the Dower House. And it's like, what cat? And actually, when I saw this episode with a commentary, there is a cat in the background in this scene. I have never noticed it until I saw it uh, with the commentary. And the first reaction I had was like, oh my God, McGonagall, what are you doing here? So yeah, there is a cat. And to be honest, I can well imagine Violet with a cat. You know, a bit like the stepmother in Cinderella, you know, with her cat. I don't know, she, she, she looks like a cat person to me. But yeah, there is a cat in the background in this scene. And another funny uh, thing is Alastair Bruce, the historical advisor, I'm not completely sure, but almost, that he's the butler in the scene. Well, I don't know if there's a butler, but that there's a man pushing Violet's chair. And I am practically sure that it is him. And I like it because he, in lots of episodes, he's like an extra. And I like it. I think it's, it's nice. It's cool. It's kind of funny. So yeah, I thought this scene, we're having tea. And you have Cora enjoying her little sandwich, talking about the hospital, talking about Isabel. And she's saying, well, she looked extremely determined. And you have Violet being so angry. She's like, oh yeah, she's determined. Well, I am too. And she's leaving. She's literally abandoning Cora. Well, I mean, I don't think Cora even cares because she's like too busy with her sandwich. But I mean, she's literally abandoning her. She's going to the hospital because they're going to do the procedure that Isabel talked about. And in this scene, I am totally on Isabel's side because the choice is simple. Without the procedure, the man will die. With it, he may die, but he may live. So of course you're going to choose the other option. It worked. So Mr. Drake is safe. And this is quite nice because we're going to see him again. Bananas. Not going to say more about that. But Violet is not really pleased about it. And then we have a scene um, with Robert, Matthew and Dr. Clarkson where they talk about the whole thing. And Matthew made like, so my mom was right. And Clarkson obviously like, well, we were both right, you know, because he's still in charge. And Robert's like, okay, if Isabel wants to want to do something for the hospital, well, let's, let's give her a place on the board. And Matthew is delighted. I love his face. It's like, really happy he's like oh she would love that you know mommy would be so happy and Dr. Clarkson is like okay okay your mother would not be pleased and I'm always like I mean I don't want to be a pertinent but on your own head be it oh I really love this scene because then we have for this intrigue of the hospital the last scene and actually the last scene in the hospital this scene was shot in the same room where you had the hospital beds but just without the beds it's the same room. But you just realize that Violet, I think she has the same hat that she wore in the first episode when she's in mourning. And actually, 
um, there was a, a deleted line from the girls when they uh, comes downstairs. I don't know if it's uh, Edith or Sibyl who said that, but do you think Granny would be in black? Like she'll be mourning something. <laughs> and I just love that. I think she has the same hat and she doesn't look pleased at all. Uh, but most of the people are actually really pleased, you know, like finally someone to challenge Violet. And Cora's smirk in this scene just cracks me up every time. You know, and the way they look at each other with Robert. And again, it was a deleted scene, but in the deleted scene, he said that he wanted to teach his mother a lesson. And I just love Matthew in this scene. He's just so proud of his mother. I love their relationship. I really love it. He's just, it, he's so proud of his mom. He loves her so much. I, oh, I love this scene. I love their relationship. Um, so yeah, so we have all that happening. But what is happening downstairs? Well, we had O'Brien being very snobbish. And you realize that, well, they actually talk about the family like we said that um, last episode. Uh, but Anna actually, when they're talking about Matthew and Isabel, Anna says like she said that she wants to report once dinner is um, is finished. Like they all want to report, you know, from um, the footman and the butler once dinner is finished. So again, we have the whole thing about the family being their own soap opera. And then we have Gwen. Gwen receives a package. So it, it's the start of a new intrigue for her that will follow in the next episode. And we have Carson being uh, angry at William because the seam at his shoulder just is coming apart. So it's his uniform. And he's so angry with him. You never appear in this of undress I mean really and uh, because of course we know Carson's like everything goes by the rules you know everything has to be proper has to be perfect so neat and everything and um you know everyone tries to cheer him up you know like it's not it's it's okay you just we all had a smack from Mr. Carson and then there's a line that actually it kind of broke my heart every time I see it again bananas Anna when Anna tells him You'll be the butler one day and you'll do the smacking. Well, I'm not going to talk about it more, but yeah. And so for Gwen and her package, Anna just thinks she has an admirer. And that was, they make fun of it. Like, how am I supposed to find a husband if we're not allowed to go out and see men? You know, and Anna saying, well, maybe Mrs. You think just talk bring them. <laughs> I think it's quite funny. And we have... Bates and Anna's romance is well, actually the beginning of it. Uh, you know, they're alone in the servants' hall, and Bates says, Alone at last. And the way she's looking at him, I mean, she's so smitten. They're so cute. I mean, I love it. Thank God Robert stopped the car. And another storyline our love triangle uh, between Daisy, Thomas, and William. Because William likes likes Daisy. Daisy likes Thomas. And she doesn't know that Thomas is a homosexual. And Thomas knows that well, William likes Daisy. That Daisy fences him. And he uses it to annoy William. And he bullies him. Thomas, sometimes I feel bad for him. But I mean, he's so mean to William. Like, I feel so bad for him. And, you know, they have a scene, a scene where Thomas is dancing with Daisy. And then later on, William wants to go to the hospital with Daisy. And Daisy's like, is Thomas going? You know, like, I want to go with Thomas. And 
you feel really bad because William just wants to work with her. And Mrs. Patmore, she's trying, she's trying um, to make Daisy understand that Thomas is not for her. You know, like, she's like, oh, never mind, you're flirting. And Daisy's like, well, I'm not flirting. Like, I'm not flirting with William, not with him. And Mrs. Patmore's like, well, he's not a bad lad. You know, he's, he's nice, William. And she's like, yeah, well, he's not like Thomas. <laughs> Mrs. Patmore, she's, yeah, no. He is not, definitely not. And again, just to talk about how, again, they're all in characters, and I love it. Um, the scene when uh, Robert and Matthew are out- outside, and Thomas uh, brings Matthew his bike, then Robert just tears him. And so um, Thomas is coming back to the entrance of um, of the house, and Robert just um, asks Matthew, would like to uh, stay for dinner? And then Thomas just stops right there, like, okay, um, if he says yes, I need to take that bike back. And I had to, like, say to everybody that he's staying, you know. And I like this thing because then um, Matthew's like, no, no, I'm leaving. He's like, okay, so I'm going to go back at the entrance. Just love, like, it's just tiny details like that just make the show amazing. And to end with all um, servants, Mrs. Mr. Carson. Again, like we said, when they're together, they're freer to talk. Uh, about things they say what they think um when they are together which they cannot really say because uh with the others since they're they're kind of bosses of downstairs and so uh, this scene is so nice because actually you have mrs Hughes kind of insulting a bit violating the old bad face and carson you know where we talk about it after that but he's he's really like you must think that i'm a sad old fool and she, I mean, her answer is just, I love it. You are a man of integrity and honour. You raise the tone of this household by being part of it. I mean, oh, I love it. They're so nice together. I love them so much. And then we have Carson that has his own storyline. And I love the fact that it is in the second episode that we know more about him because he's such, like, you know, a character is so strict and stern and loving everything to be proper and perfect that to know a bit more about him makes him a bit more human. And I just love this storyline. So in the beginning of the episode, he receives a letter. And from the look on his face, you know it's important. And then later he's acting weird, like he's stealing food. And well, Anna sees him stealing food. And I just want to say thank God for him. It is Anna who saw him. Just imagine if it was O'Brien or Thomas. I mean, yeah, do we want to imagine that? And so, you know, he, like he's really, like, he feels like he's worried all the time. There's a moment Mrs. Hughes just comes to him and says, well, Anna says that, what Anna said, what did she say? And he's, she's like, well, she just said that she thinks Thomas bullying William. She's like, oh, yeah, okay. So she never said anything about me. And then we have someone coming to Downton. And it's someone named Charles Greig. And he barges in, like, shamelessly, just comes to the library. Carson isn't there. Robert isn't there. Like, no one's there. It's just Bates and Anna. And Bates is trying to, like, manage the situation. But then Sybil comes in. She's like, I'm staying if explanations are needed. So, again, Sybil is the best. Like, she realizes, like, the situation is not quite right but she wants to stay to help Bates to just tell that it's not his fault 
and she's in her riding outfit again love this outfit and <laughs> i really love this because they're all in character again but robert's coming he's like what is happening like who is this man <laughs> and carson comes he's like you know it's okay everyone can leave and robert's like no nobody's going anywhere can someone explain to me who this man is and what the hell is he doing in my library and i mean carson is such a drama queen I mean, I love him in this scene because he's always so neat, you know, and that he appears defeated. He has messy hair. He's like, I'm going to give you my resignations. Like, wow, what happened? And well, actually, um, Nikki Nikki Henson, so the actor who plays uh, Charles Grigg, um, he's a good friend of uh, Jim Carter. And so uh, Jim Carter recommended him uh for the role jim carter is actually carson and yeah again fun fact i learned that watching the episode with the commentary so yeah back to the story um but yeah like carson drama queen is like i am a thief i have stolen you know i need i'm giving my resignation my resignation and i saw it and and i mean she's like i haven't said anything to anyone I, i was not going to say anything like yeah but she saw me and anything and robert is like no you're not going to give your resignation and oh my god i stand robert so much in this scene like when you you know he just say why you're not leaving he carson like just did everything you asked like oh well oh charles rig is like oh well he didn't you know and so we have carson's secret and carson's secret is that he was in the musical like he danced on stage um with so charles grigg and they had a number called the cheerful charlies everybody's faces at that moment are like what like <laughs> i mean excuse me carson on stage um okay and i like it because carson is really ashamed like no like when i'm not friend with this man like no one anything and robert saves him you know he's like i'm gonna give you money and you're going to leave love this scene you think you're such a big man don't you just because you're a lord you think you can do what you like with me i think it because it is true and then so he takes the money you know greek takes the money and leave him before leaving he's he's saying you'll not always be in charge you know the day is coming when your lot will have to tell the line just like the rest of us perhaps but happily for Carson, that day has not come yet. And I assume you, like, my resignation is not accepted. And Robert's like, no, don't don't need to be such drama queen. You know, like, it's it's the past. And I like it because in the first episode, when Mrs. Hughes asked Carson if she, if you ever thought about going another way, he said no. And actually, you realize he went another way. Like, he abandoned his old life to be in service. And Robert's like, well, I'm impressed. I mean, you were on stage, you were singing and dancing. Um, like, it's like, do you miss it? Not in the least. Always drama queen. And then we have one of my favorite lines from this episode. And Robert tells him, My dear fellow, we all have chapters we would rather keep unpublished. And I love the way he's saying it, you know, unpublished, and the look on his face. And so I do have a question. What are yours, Robert? No, what have the chapters you rather keep unpublished? 
you know, when I'm thinking about it, maybe, maybe something that happened at Eaton, bananas. I don't know. I, I really want to know what are those unpublished chapters. And then uh, after that scene, um, obviously, Anna and Bates, they know more about Carson than the rest of them. But uh, Carson, like, Bates has really earned Carson's respect. Like, he already respects him. It's in another uh, level. And it's really important, actually, for the following episodes. You know, like, Carson really saying um, thank you uh, to you and Anna. I mean, and Bates um, tells him, I have no right to judge you or any man. And I really like it because you realize now that their, their relationship just took another turn. And I like it. That was the end of Carson's story and the cheerful Charlie's. Again, I really love it. And I really want to know what are Robert's unpublished chapters. Um, so that is it for this episode. Yeah, again, I hope it's not too messy because like I said, that I separated the episode. It intrigues because it's easier for me and I think maybe clearer for you. Yeah, I can't wait to read what you think about it. So I don't think my title needs a lot of explanation, the one with Andromeda and the sea monster. So, you know, it's Mary and Matthew. But yeah, I kind of like it. It's going to make it like a fairy tale. And next episode, we're going to talk about episode three. And remember when in the introduction I talked to you about big scandal in Downton Abbey. Well, this is it. I can't wait to talk about this episode, actually. <laughs> um, I called it the one with the Turk. Well, can I make it m- more obvious? I don't think so. So yes, don't forget to leave a review, comment, send me a DM on Instagram at charwee.podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. And I will see you next Sunday for that episode. And until then, take care of yourself. And don't forget, Vive la différence!